I've had to leave so many people in my life. I've had to say goodbye to as many people that I've met. I know what it's like to keep people in my life that I want in my life and to reach out. Rahmat Zafar is a student and artist, and keeping people in her life has proved to be a pretty useful skill this year. She spent most of it in New York, watching from afar while her father led Pakistan's effort to fight the coronavirus. The rest of her family is spread out across the globe, and traveling to them was tough, even though she holds passports from both Pakistan and Switzerland. It's a joke. Like, it's, it's a joke. They're even complementary colors. People constantly think either one of my documents is fake or like, the, people always think there's something fishy going on. Rahmat is 20 years old, and like a lot of 20-year-olds, she's facing the COVID-19 pandemic at an age that already brings uncertainty, even in a normal year. 2020 has most certainly not been that. This year has changed the world and changed the people who are going to change the world in the future. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Today is the first in a series we're calling 20 in 2020, a snapshot of a global generation. And we're starting with a woman who is a global citizen in the truest sense of the word. Where am I catching you right now? Where are you? At the moment, I'm tuning in from Taxila, which is a little bit outside of the capital city, Islamabad of Pakistan. I've been here for about three months with my parents. It's been really nice. Rahmat was born in Islamabad, but this is actually the longest she's been back in Pakistan since she was four. Since then, she's lived in Cairo, Geneva, and most recently, New York. She studied at NYU's Fine Arts School and lived with her older brother in Brooklyn. But even before the pandemic hit, Rahmat knew she'd be leaving New York this year, halfway through her undergraduate degree. She says NYU had become a cost she could no longer justify, and she'd hoped to continue her bachelor's in Geneva, her old stomping ground. I thought I would be ending 2020 back in another one of my homes, which is Geneva, Switzerland. That's where I thought I would be. Rahmat's plans for this year were muddled for lots of reasons. From March onwards, travel got complicated. United Airlines says it's cutting 20% of its international flights and 10% of domestic ones. Queens in New York is the worst infected district in what is now the world's worst infected city. And the doctors and nurses don't know what's hit them. New York State, along with its neighbors, New Jersey and Connecticut, is clamping down on movement from affected states. Over the course of the summer, Rahmat flew from New York to Geneva, where she faced rejection from the university she'd hoped to attend there. But in a year where nothing was going according to plan, Rahmat had to learn to pivot. And that's what she did here, too. She rerouted to Pakistan. I had several canceled flights. There's been so many overlaps and dates, it's hard to keep track, but I needed to be quick on my feet. I had to pivot. How many flights did you have to cancel over the course of this year? Four, maybe. Three, four. That's expensive. Incredibly. 
Rahmed ultimately found her place at the Berlin University of Applied Sciences. She's taking her graphic design courses virtually from Pakistan and hopes to move to Germany next year, once it's safe to go. Though, she acknowledges, plans could always change. So I hope to be in Germany as of March, and then maybe I'll stay on, but maybe I won't, because at this point, what is an institution? What is a degree? What, what is what is a long what is a lease at this point? So yeah, that's where we're at. Real existential questions there. <laughs> right now, she's living with her parents, but for most of the year, a year full of fear and anxiety, they were on different continents. I asked Rahmat what it was like to be so far away. I can't imagine what your parents must have been feeling for you in New York, seeing the headlines, because you were there when the pandemic first struck. Yeah. And New York was the epicenter for a long while yeah. of the pandemic in the United States. What were those conversations like? So interestingly enough, we were five people on three continents at the time. My sister was in Switzerland and my parents were in Pakistan. In some ways, it felt already familiar, the situation we were in, because we know what it's like to miss each other and to keep in touch digitally. So that was kind of run of the mill. I mean, you should see our WhatsApp group. It's coordinating our... (laughs) How many do you have? How many WhatsApp groups do you have? So many. I mean, they're, they're divided, right? Like you have one with the parents... And the spouses, you have one with the siblings, you have the cousins, you have these tiers of connection. <laughs> and it's so important. It's so important because it is the closest you'll get to sustaining those kinds of in-group conversations that you have at an totally. outing. Or like, those WhatsApp groups with my family have sustained me throughout this exactly. pandemic. One with my sisters, yeah. one with my parents, one with <laughs> the in-laws. Yeah. I agree. And those degrees of separation are also important. Like, who do you have in each group? What's the criteria? Who's on the list? So that was definitely one way to cope and a place where I could ground myself to know that I know how to do this. I've done this before. But it was really frightening because we all had very different threat levels and perceptions of how the disease was going to carry on. My father was actually in Pakistan's special assistant to the prime minister, and he was the federal health minister, and he confronted COVID head-on on a national level. If you're in Pakistan, you've probably heard this voice, the voice of Zafar Mirza on TV, announcing guidelines and updates about the national coronavirus response. People were looking to him for assurances. But for Rahmat, this was her family, out there on the front lines of a terrifying medical crisis. So that was really different from the reality that we were experiencing as civilians. And like my sister and my brother and I, all three of us. Do you think having a father who was the federal health minister helped or made you more scared about what we were all facing? It was 10 times more terrifying because within the first two weeks of the COVID outbreak in Pakistan, he lost his voice. And I mean, that alone, right? Is it just exhaustion? Could it be COVID? Is it another form of sickness? Turns out there was a more mundane reason for his lost voice. He was giving interviews around the clock. So these kinds of little events happen consistently. But then... 
In another twist, a few months into the pandemic, Rahmat's fears were realized. He actually had COVID. State Minister of Health of Pakistan, Dr. Zafar Mirza, has tested positive for coronavirus, he confirmed in a tweet on Monday. Mirza said he has mild symptoms and has isolated himself at home. This comes after the country's foreign minister, Shah Mahmood Qureshi, was also tested positive for the disease on 3rd of June. So it was terrifying because he had to be around people. He had to be giving press conferences and doing interviews around the clock and keeping everybody updated, even having meetings constantly in order to tackle the intervention on a national level. It was incredibly frightening and we were all constantly on his back about wearing a mask and taking precautions and following his own rules. I remember we got his test results and my brother and I sat down and looked at each other across the dining room table and we thought, is this it? Do we find a way to go home? What do we do? So, yeah, very scary times. I'm so sorry to hear that. Is he doing better? How is he now? Yes, thankfully he recovered and his symptoms were consistent but mild. It was incredibly fatiguing and that definitely took a toll on him. But he has since made a full recovery for which we're incredibly grateful. Rahma told us her dad has retired now, but he's still very active in the medical community in Pakistan and around the world. In the past six months, everything about Rahmat's life seems to have flipped around. At the start of the pandemic, Rahmat was far away from her parents. Now, she's separated from different loved ones, her brother and her boyfriend. Both were so important to helping her deal with the early days in New York. New York went into full doomsday mode almost immediately. It was incredibly terrifying just because my I was super lucky to have my brother there, but we could really feel the tension just go over the entire city. Everything shut down so quickly. The life really just got sucked out of the city really quickly. And at the same time, it was a really dissociative place to be in because on social media, you still had such a skewed reality that people were living. And because we're from all over in a way, we had family that was still just chilling. They were going about their daily lives. My friends in Switzerland were also not very fussed. And New York was in full lockdown. It was in full protest, riot mode. And that was really a moment of history that we lived through. That was, my God. Her boyfriend lived in a neighboring borough of New York City, just a bridge away. But at the beginning of the pandemic, he might as well have been on a different continent. That was probably one of the hardest parts because we were so close. He was in Manhattan in the Lower East Side and I was in Brooklyn and we couldn't see each other. For two months, we decided not to see each other because he lives with his grandmother and she was a really vulnerable population. And then after that, we had like a full, full love story moment. All props go to my boyfriend because he bought me my skateboard on our first date and boy, did it come in handy. (laughs) So I lived in, I lived in Crown Heights and I would skate all the way down through Williamsburg, through the Hasidic Jewish community, across the Williamsburg Bridge. And he lived in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. 
So he lived just after the bridge. So once I got to the bridge and I could see it, I kind of, you know, it was reassuring. I knew that I was almost there and I was sweating and I was sweating out of pores I didn't even know I had in the July <laughs> heat that is New York City. And my nose is just full of concrete and people's fear and anxiety of being outside. It would take me about an hour or two and it would take him less time because he's much better at it than I am. <laughs> but it was so worth it. And we did this back and forth because it was the only way we felt it was safe enough to see each other. And we met outdoors and we just met in Prospect Park. We went there a lot. We went to Brooklyn Bridge Park. You really got to discover the outdoors that New York has to offer. Definitely took as much advantage as possible. <laughs> Rahmet's summer in New York wasn't what she had expected it to be and certainly wasn't what she'd hoped it would be. But she made the most of it. She says her 20th birthday was the same way. In the days leading up to my birthday, I was feeling like I was really stealing myself. Um, and I think it was because I knew I was leaving. And this has been a pattern in my life where I leave places and I don't get to enjoy the roots that I've spent a lot of time putting down. And it feels, it's always difficult, but it's also inevitable. And it feels like a wave that you have to just ride through. But I was also excited because I knew something good was coming. It was on a Sunday and I step out onto the roof and five of my friends are there. We wanted to keep it small. <laughs> and they sing me happy birthday and they surprise me. And um, my boyfriend made cake. He made tres leches cake. He wrote me five songs. It was, it was all very dreamy and nice. We had pizza. It was a really nice time. 2020 has been a series of these pivots. And as a 20-year-old, still early in her career, Rahmet has had to deal with that in her work, too. She plans to be a graphic artist. But drawing inspiration from your surroundings can be tough when you barely leave your home. It was really a challenge. I felt creatively blocked for quite some time because I've just felt like I don't have the stability that I need in order to create. And that's been super challenging to navigate, especially because I'm not the kind of person to accept excuses, especially from myself. And even as I say it, I know that it's wrong and I know that I need to cut myself slack. We are in a pandemic, but I still feel like I should be producing more. I should be creating more. I tried to channel some of my restlessness into making uh, pieces of art. What I did make uh, was definitely informed by just everyday happenings. Like, so I lived up the street from the Interfaith Medical Center in Brooklyn, and they had essentially a mobile morgue, which was an 18-wheeler, and it was a freezer inside. And they would transport individuals who died due to COVID. Many of those bodies were taken to be buried in Hart Island, right off the coast of Manhattan. And the graves there were largely dug by prisoners from Rikers Island Jail. Propelled to make something out of what was right in front of her, the cruel reality of freezers full of bodies became art. And there were so many layers 
to this single point of transportation that I felt compelled to make something about it, especially because it was right there and I would pass that place a lot. So there's a photo collage that I made of that place. So just things that were in my immediate environment. Looking back at Rahmat's 2020, it's striking to see the ways the pandemic affected every facet of her life. Her father got sick with COVID and her family struggled to support from afar. Her artwork stalled, her flights were canceled, her boyfriend was out of reach for months at a time. In a year full of difficulties, I asked her what the hardest part was for her. Honestly, it was the uncertainty. It was the uncertainty of everything. At no point this year did I feel good about or did I know where I was going to be even three months from that point. And that was really difficult because I just felt so uncentered. I felt like I really couldn't put my best foot forward. I couldn't make any commitments either to any projects that I was super excited to work on just because I didn't know if I was going to be around long enough to see them through. Even now, Rahmat doesn't know exactly how long she'll be in Pakistan with her parents or what the next few months will hold. But she says she's found solace in her enduring long-distance relationships with her siblings, friends, and boyfriend. This is a year of lessons, she says, and she plans to hold on to those lessons long after 2020 has ended. Again, all of these events are laced with these amazing silver linings. I got to jump from family member to family member on three continents, and I think, I mean, who can say that, right? Every experience this year is underscored with so many blessings, and I think it's so important to practice gratitude over and over and over again. And that's The Take. If you're interested in seeing Rahmat's artwork, check out our Twitter page. We'll be posting a few examples there. We're at AJ The Take. And keep an eye out for our next episode in the 20 in 2020 series. It'll drop next Wednesday. This episode was produced by Priyanka Tilve with Amy Walters, Alexandra Locke, Dina Kispe, Ney Alvarez, Nagin Odiai, Oni Wohacha, and me, Malika Bilal. Natalia Aldana is the engagement producer. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Stacey Samuel is the executive producer. And Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.